0: All right, Understanding Destiny Transition. Look at our objectives. I just want to point out objective number three. That's what I really want to dig into today. Objective number three says that um, we want to incubate certain understandings that will accentuate the positive aspects of Destiny Transition. Sometimes people want stuff to change but don't want to change. Sometimes um, it has been said that insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. And so there are um, a lot of times people want stuff to change, but they want to stay the same. And we want everything to change around us while we ourselves um, make no changes. That's not really the way God does it. In fact, I found that God will keep you in a difficult situation until he gets out of you what he wants out of you before he gets you out of the situation. All right. And so that's the piece that I wanted to make sure that we we incubate certain understandings. Go down to the key definition, the one on destiny transition. The other piece, this is just review, the other pieces I don't wanna do today, but this one on destiny transitions, I wanna remind you of this definition of what is a destiny transition? If we're gonna understand it, we gotta understand what it is and what it looks like and what it sounds like. A destiny transition is the critical process or period of God-ordained, God-designed passage from one state, stage, subject, or place to another which has the possibility of resulting in more unfolding of his amazing plan for your life if properly recognized, received, regarded, and rigorously endured with faith, hope, and love. So we want to understand that this this process of um, transition is critical, that God designs transitions. They're not something... um, that, that the devil creates. That's right. Just because things are changing the way that you had anticipated doesn't mean it's the devil. Right. Um, and just because it caught you off guard didn't mean it caught God off guard. Amen. And so we want to be people that understand that and to, um, to take advantage of um, this... This time frame to maximize it so that on the other side, the unfolding of the plan of God is actually bigger and broader than it was before. That's the thing that we're standing in faith for. The other thing that we want to um, grasp hold of is that we have to recognize it as a God ordained process process and period, that we have to receive it as such. I got to receive it as if God has sent it, not the devil. Even when the devil tries to send you something. You know, we uh, Pastor Shaw talked about um, Joseph. And if you had asked him when he started out with that dream, the process that got him from the dream um, to the prime minister position, Wasn't this clear path, you know, um, he wasn't, you know, follow, 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 follow the yellow brick road. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful. It wasn't like that. Right. It was very difficult. It had it had it had a lot of things that were in it, had a lot of changes that were going on around it. And so we still have to receive it as if God sent it. We want to recognize that, Hey, I'm in a I'm in a time of transition. I want to receive it like God sent it. I want to regard it. If it's a gift from God, then I value it differently than if it just happened. Okay. Um, and then if I rigorously endure it, means there are some regimens that I've got to put into action to get the best benefit out of this season. All right. A lot of times people spend more time um, hating on their transitional seasons. That they don't they don't get the best benefit out of them. Like um, when it's really painful, I don't rush out of it because I have like I've been at this too long. Like, remember, remember, Joseph had two sons. Ephraim and Manasseh, his oldest son was named Manasseh, which means to be forgetful, because after he had got promoted, he said, God caused me to forget my pain in my father's house. The term Ephraim, on the other hand, means fruitful, because God made me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. But when his father Jacob, when his father Jacob blessed him, he put the right hand On Ephraim, meaning that it is God wants you to be fruitful in the problem before he calls you to forget the problem. So the main thing that I really want is when I'm in a season of transition, I want to get the most out of that season as best I can. Right. And then God will get me through to the other side. And I want to make sure. um, That I keep my heart right and my spirit sweet. right. I want to make sure that I'm really in faith. I want to make sure that I'm really in hope and that I have a positive expectation of the future. Right. Um, And that I'm really in love, that I really have a heart that wants to be benevolent and do well for everybody. Because nothing that people do to me can hurt me. It's what I do to me that hurts me. Me talking about you doesn't hurt you. Me talking about you hurts me. First Peter says it this way: Who is it that would love to see um, would love his life to see many good days? Let us keep his tongues from speaking evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Don't don't re- return railing for railing when people coming out bad mouth from you. Don't turn around bad mouth men. You see. Because, see, your mind be fixed. Listen, especially when you know some history. I know where the bodies are buried. Don't come for me. You better leave me alone. See, people don't think because I can't, because I don't, I can't. Child, please. And every time I'll be, right, my mind goes someplace. But if I let it go too far, it'll get me into something that's going to get me in trouble. And I, this is too painful for me to stay in this thing too long, and for me not to get to the other side and get the full benefit of my story, I want. I, listen, if I want, if I, <laughs> if I'm going through the test, I want the full. I want the testimony to be at full strength. So I got to keep my my mind off of other people and keep focus on what He told me to do. That's why the Scripture says, "Jesus, for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is sat down at the right hand." Of the majesty on high. All right. Eight key understandings for destiny transition. I'm going to just go into my list of eight. Show you the list. Um, No, not that one. Eight key understandings for destiny transition. There was a new list for this. For this week. You didn't pull it down. You got to go back and get it. Because I need it. Hallelujah. It starts with the understanding, understanding the power of resurrection. Do you see that? Hallelujah. I'm going to wait. Praise God for the media team in Jesus name. We are a well-run machine. And listen, you know what? On the very last Sunday, I'm going to still be working to improve it and make sure it's better. Because I just believe that I should always get better in whatever I do for God. All right. So what they're, I'm they're finding my list, the um, eight key understandings for destiny transition. Number one is understanding the power of resurrection. All right. Number two is understanding church in three phases, the spiritual house. And we'll, we'll go through these and then we'll get into them. All right. The third is understanding release and recovery. Right. Um, The fourth is understanding mantles and transference of power, what it means to have a mantle and transfer power. The fifth is understanding destiny relationship difficulties. You guys can see that. The sixth, which we'll talk about in a few weeks, is understanding the law of victory. Seventh is understanding times and seasons. And eighth is understanding understanding what I call destiny diaspora, diaspora. Diaspora is um, a group of people that have spread out. When the Jews who were in Israel were taken into the different countries, they, they dispersed, and the and the word for that is diaspora. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm I'm gonna go fast. I'm I'm there. Okay, so let's look at Philippians chapter three, verses ten and eleven. Philippians chapter three verses ten and eleven. While they're pulling that up. Philippians chapter three verses ten and eleven. And it says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. All right. And so the um, the thing that we want to understand things that we want to understand is that uh, that the Lord has a, there's a power in resurrection. There is a power that's available to us for resurrection. And that resurrection is, is a thing of power. That one of the key fundamental principles, remember, we called it, we talked, we studied on the foundational principle of the doctrine of Christ. One of them was the doctrine of resurrections. Okay. And so resurrection isn't just that Christ was raised from the dead it's that we get raised from the dead and that God has a way when things die to raise them up in greater power than when they die. That's a principle, OK, that things can die. Now, let's look at that in Hebrews 11, 35, Hebrews 11, verse 35. And it says, women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. So there are resurrections that can result in things being better for you than they were before. Okay. All right. Now, let's look at that in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 42 through 49, 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 49. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man Adam became a living being, the last man Adam became a life giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. The first man was the man of earth made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As we, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as the man, as the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. As we have borne or carried the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. All right. Now let's look at John 12, 24. John 12 and 24, most assuredly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And so resurrection is the key principle that God allows, when God allows something that he's in to die, that when it raises, it doesn't raise at the same strength. It gets better that the power of resurrection says, the first thing is the weakest is gonna be. When it comes up, it comes in strength, all right? In resurrection terms, not all resurrections are created equal, so you are doing things now to make your resurrection on the other side of this transition more powerful, okay? The natural comes first, then the spiritual, and then in relative size and strength, the harvest is always greater than the seed. Now, number two, we want to understand, um, the second understanding that we want to have is understanding church, Understanding church in three phases. And then the part B of that, understanding church in three phases, is the spiritual house. Understanding church in three phases, comma, the spiritual house. Look at First Thessalonians 5.23. Now, we studied this in our... Our uh, anthropology, the doctrine of anthropology, that man is a three-part being, tripartite. I think um, Bishop called it trichotomous. But let's look at it now. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we understand in Scripture that there is a that there are these pattern of threes, harvests in threes, blade ear, full corn in the ear. Light in threes, sun, moon, and stars, or the manifestation of revelation in threes. The light um, shine in a dark place, the day dawn, and then the day star or the sun arise in our hearts. Then God, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This scripture says man is in three persons, spirit, three parts, spirit, soul, and body. But the church also exists in three phases. All right? There's a spiritual phase of church. The spiritual part is the part that in our teaching in Sunday school that was called the organism. The organism isn't the building. The organism is all of the believers that come to the building who have made Jesus Christ the Lord of their lives. Each one of them is a believer by themselves. But together we form the spirit entity called church. Okay, but we're not all just spirit beings. There is order and organization. The soul of the church that makes those spirit function is all is the organizational part of the church. The part that says we're coming here from this time to this time. This person is on the praise team. This person is in the usher. This person is a deacon that does this. This person is working sound. There is order and organization and structure how we function together that's the second phase because some people want to come and they always want to be praying and, and you know laying hands and stuff like that but then when somebody tell them you got to sit down in service they don't want to sit down because they think their spirit don't need to be organized but that's the second phase of church but then not only is there this the the spiritual and the organizational there's the physical that is all of the, that is the building and the property where we gather together. Okay. Now, what we want to understand is when the physical is no longer present, even when the organizational isn't present, the spiritual part continues to live on. There are churches that don't have buildings. Right. Some of them meet under a tree and has some real good church. So it can't be that if there's no physical building, that can't be church. All right. Now, if I have a physical body here, but the spirit is left, that body will never get up again. Okay. If the spiritual part dies in church, all you got is a social club, even if you got the organization of church. Jesus told one of the churches in, in Revelation, you have a name that you are alive, but actually you did. What was he saying? He, was he saying they didn't have a building or an organization? No, he was saying that the spiritual part of them was full of folks that were spiritually dead. OK, so when we understand the church in three phases and then God eliminates the physical. When my when 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 I leave my physical body, when the real David leaves this body, then then the, the me, the inner me is unleashed from physical limitation. So when we go through this process, there are some limitations that a physical building imposes that won't be there anymore. And you should be in expectation that the resurrection process will allow the spirit part of you that you got of everything you got in here to take you to the next level when you are unleashed from this. All right. Um, I'm going to quote this one just for the sake of time. Second Samuel chapter seven, verses one through 16. I'm not going to read that, but it was when David wanted to. He said. He said God's house, even though they had Levites spirit, you know, who was anointed by God, who were organized in the temple. He said they lived in tents. I want to build a God, a house, a physical structure. The fact that he wanted to build God a house, God said, I'm going to build you a house. The house that God built for David that resulted in Jesus Christ coming for him was not the physical building. It was a spiritual house. That spiritual house meant that from generation to generation, God would see after all of his descendants until Jesus came. So when God, we believe that God's going to make your house like David's house. That all the seed that you sow to help this ministry go forward, that the same blessing that God gave to David because of David's desire to help the the work of God go forward, that God's going to honor your desire to help the work go forth. And he's going to make your house established forever. And because it's spiritual, not physical, it's portable and you can take it with you wherever you go. In Jesus name, you take it with you. If it's spiritual, wherever your spirit is, it is. It is not limited. What does it say? To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. So when you leave your physical body, all the limitations that your body had, you left them behind. My dad left here with a body that was riddled with cancer. But when he left his body behind, he left the cancer, too. I'm just saying. okay. and so that's the expectation that we have. All right. So that's number two. Number three is understanding release and recovery. Understanding release and recovery. That is the thing that um, Pastor Tony Shaw talked about. Remember, he talked about it in Second Kings 8, 1 through 6, that that the woman who who built a prophet's quarters for Elisha. Who couldn't have a baby, but then she had the baby. And when she had the baby, um, the baby died and the baby, the baby was um, was told the baby died and then Elisha raised the child from the dead. Then in chapter eight, Elisha sends this woman on a destiny transition. There's going to be a famine. You got to get up out of here for seven years. He sent her on a destiny transition. Now, that's different. He didn't say stand in the land and just give me seed and then I'll, you know, it'll multiply like my spiritual father did. He did something different than the spiritual father, didn't he? But she was still provided for. And when she came back, the king had an officer. To make sure she got all of the harvest of her land for all the years she was gone with interest. And a revelation that Pastor Tony ministered. And you do need to watch those. If you weren't here, listen, even if you were, you didn't get it all. I didn't. So make sure that's why we posted both of those messages so that you can make sure you got that and you can soak yourself in that revelation. That you have release and recovery and angels are assigned to ensure that whatever you've done in these 30 years of ministry, that every harvest on every seed, you get them all. But you got to confess it because angels hearken to the voice of the word. And so you should be standing in faith that God didn't forget none of them, even the ones you forgot. If you don't have seven years of tax returns like Pastor Tony did, just say, Lord, remember all my burnt offerings. Okay, And um, all of those notes we talked about and he gave them to you, so. I'm not going to do with that anymore because you can go back on your own time. All right. Number four is understanding mantles and the transference of power. Understanding mantles and the transference of power. All right. Look at First Kings 19, chapter four. First Kings, chapter 19, verses 14 through 21. And he said, this is Elijah talking, I've been zealous, very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael, king over Syria, also anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and anoint and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Mahola, to you shall anoint as prophet in your place. And it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Je- Haziel, Jehu will kill. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plying with 12 yoke of oxen before him, And he was the 12th, and Elijah passed passed by him and threw his mantle, his cloak, on him, a symbol of his authority. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elijah turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah Um, And became his servant mantle was a cloak and covering a symbol of authority, responsibility and Holy Spirit capability. Right. And so you get access to all the mantles of everything that you've ever served and committed to. Okay, you get you get access to all of it. All right. You get access um, not only to what you did, who you served, but who they served. Because the people that I served are in heaven don't need the anointing. There are no yokes and burdens up there. I need the anointing down here. They don't need it. My bishop doesn't need what he needed when he was here because he's not here. I'm the one that needs it. So I get access at my ordination. He said to me, he laid his hands on me and said, I not only give you my grace, but i I anoint you with the teaching grace of Bishop Ivy Hilliard, not based on me serving Bishop Hilliard, but based on him serving him. And and Jack C. Wallace and Tommy Barnett and Peyton Harrison, Sr., all of his fathers. And so he was saying, you get my grace and the graces I serve, too. So I'm telling you that all of the service that you did here, anything you need from the graces that we've ever had in this ministry, it's all yours right now. And because you finished the job, because this is one, there is something special for those that stay to the end. The apostle Paul told them at Philippi that you were from the from the first day of the gospel until now we have continual fellowship. Now, everybody gets seed that they sow. Your seed is your seed. You get your seed. But but then the the apostle, um the prophet Elijah told Elisha, if you see me at the end, then you will get it. He got the mantle and wanted the double portion. And he said, he said, I'm asking you for the double portion. He said, if you see me all the way to the finish, then you get it. Okay? and so the fact that you're here and that you committed to the finish, there is an impartation that is yours. You don't have to do what I did, but everything I got becomes yours. See, as far as I'm concerned, I've already pastored DWO because the mantle that I served did. So I've already, even though I've been here, I already consider myself a mega church pastor because the mantle that I have has a mega church in it. I was, I was at, um, we, we, in the early stages of this ministry, apostle was preaching, um, about, about, um, this thing about the mantle and, and what does it mean? And so on. And at that time we had to believe God to get stuff for ministry. And so we were buying stuff and she said, we're anointed to get stuff. We're anointed to get stuff. I was still in school. So this was before, before uh, February of 90 of 94, when I graduated, actually I graduated in December of 93. So it was in that early phase of ministry about the first year, year and a half. And, uh, I had, uh, I was at U of M. Had been a uh, was going down to to talk to Delco Electronics about um, becoming a GM scholar for 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 Delco because Saginaw Division had eliminated their GM scholarship because the division had just eliminated them. I went down there. I had my blue power suit on, navy blue. You know, had my burgundy shoes. And I thought that I had my burgundy power tie with me but I had left my tie back in Ann Arbor. And I had come down the night before and this is like this is um this is Kokomo, Indiana before the days of Walmart. And so there was nothing around. I'm thinking I can't go in the interview. It's not like today. I had to have a tie. They were going to look at me like I was crazy. If I came up in there with no tie, And so I drove around the city of Kokomo. Wasn't too much driving to do. It was just one highway that runs through the place. Am I right? Ain't too much to the city. Now, it may be different now, so don't hate if you've grown since I've been there. It was in the 90s, so I don't know. But back then, it wasn't nothing up in there. And I'm driving around saying, God, I need to find a tie." And I said what Elijah said, Elisha said when he crossed over with the mantle. He said, Where is the God of Elijah? And then he smote the waters that had just crossed for him, and then he crossed them again. And so I said, Where is the God of Pastor Ruby? And I drove around, and I drove around, and there was nothing. And I saw another hotel, which was a Fairfield Inn. And I went to the Fairfield Inn and I said, Might you have a tie that you can that I can wear? Because I got an interview at Delco Electronics and they were like, yes, we do. He pulled out the tie. It perfectly matched my suit and the stripe, the burgundy stripe in my shirt. And then he said to me, "Okay, what's your name? David Johnson. Tell me what room you are and then I'll do it. I'm not even in that hotel. So I said, see, what happened was they." I'm not even in your hotel. I said, but listen, dude, I will buy the tie. I, I just, just give me the tie. I'll pay for it. Tell me what you need. He was like, take the tie. Just bring it back when you're done. Had no tie to me, had nothing. Didn't have my account number. Didn't have my name. All he had, I could have told him anything. He gave me the tie. I wore it to the interview. And I told the guy, he was like, man, you're very resourceful. No, no, no. I got a mantle, baby. That's more than resourcefulness. I knew that I had right, even though I wasn't physically at the location of the church, I was still in school, but I had a right to everything that was happening in the house. What I'm telling you is you get a right to everything that's happened in this. The fact that there's multiple generations with the grace going from generation that gets stronger than the previous generation and able to build up on it. You get access to that. You don't have to. That wasn't just for apostle. That's for you. The fact that we paid off buildings and moved from here to there and operated with spirit of excellence and take the ministry to another level and using cutting edge technology to get our job done. You get access to all of that. Stop renting if you want a house. Stop paying for a house if you want your house there free. I'm just saying, believe God that the mantle has ways to get you to what you need. You have access to it all. And what we were talking yesterday, and Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim, in Jesus' name, (laughs) in Jesus' name, I'm just gonna let that one just be what it be, and I'm gonna let Tim deal with God on that one. But he was talking, he's like, Man, you guys have been laboring in the heat of the day, and I came in the last hour. I said, Bro, but when you come in the last hour, you get the same right as the person who was there at the beginning. You get the same benefit. You're not second class. This isn't seniority. What's your your plant seniority date? You don't get the best jobs. I get the right to bump you off. You don't get the right to bump me off, especially if you got off and I'm still on. You don't. That mantle thing is a real thing. So as far as I'm concerned, I've already pastored a mega church and I've already already got a jet because my father's father got him. I'm just saying, I get access to it all, and you do too. So carry it. See, as far as I'm concerned, I get it because I am them and they is me. And the mantle that they put on me, they had it on when they was doing all of it, and I got it now. And it's not just one mantle. That's why I wanted you to see that Abraham. I mean, excuse, Elijah has something for Haziel, for Jehu, and for Elisha. Each one has something. So you don't have to think like I'm the only one. He got it. You know, this is his. This is his special son. So he the only one to get one. No, no, no. You got. You get. You want whatever your assignment is. It's for you. All right. I think I did. Beat that horse in the glue in Jesus name. Hallelujah. All right. The last one that I want you to understand for today, this is number five. And I got three that I'll give you in a few weeks. Is understanding destiny relationship difficulties. Understanding destiny relationship difficulties. Difficulties and relationships are part of destiny transition. Let me say it one more again. Difficulties in relationships are part of destiny transition. One more time for the Holy Ghost. Difficulties in relationships is a part of destiny transitions. You cannot escape that. Abraham took his nephew from his deceased brother, Haran, into the promised land. They got into difficulty. Abraham had difficulty with his neighbors in the land. They stopped up his wells. Isaac and Ishmael brothers had relationship difficulties. Jacob and Esau had relationship difficulties. All of them had some level of blessing, but they still had difficulty in getting along with each other with their blessed selves. Oh, but pastor, that's only in the Old Testament. Really? Really? That's an Old Testament. Uh, you, my, I'm in Christ. Christ has redeemed me from relationship difficulties. So you say, is that how that works? I didn't know that. Let's look at um, Paul Barnabas and John Mark. Look at Acts chapter 12, verse 25. John Mark was Barnabas cousin slash nephew. OK. Um. And it was John's mother, it was John's mother Mary, it was John's mother Mary that prayed for, um, they were in Mary's house when they were praying for Peter to get out of prison. That was John's mama's house. So John grew up in the house of the prayer meeting. I know what that's like, okay? He grew up with everybody coming to his house praying. And it was known, Peter knew where to go. So he knew where the prayer meeting would be. Okay. Now let's look at Acts 12 and 25. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now let's look at Acts 13 verses 4 and 5. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in uh, Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. But somewhere along the way, John Mark fell off the wagon. Let's look at verse 13 of that same chapter, Acts 13. Now, when Paul and his party set from Paphos, they came to Perga. Perga, and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem, all right? Now, in the King David version, Paul was feeling some kind of way about John leaving. How do I know that? Okay, let's look at chapter 15 and verse 35 through 41. Chapter 15, verse 35. And it says, Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now, Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had broke wide or departed from them and Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So they had a strong difference of opinion. Now, looks at verse 39. Then the contention became so sharp. The contention became so sharp that they departed, that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed being commended by the brother into the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. The word here literally that said that the contention was sharp. That word literally means to come alongside you and poke you with something sharp. Okay, so this wasn't a little, you know, la la, 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 la. like we think, you know, all the apostles, they just all floated. And every time they move, like the sound like you hear on TV, It wasn't like that. These brothers was going at it and it started and it grew larger and larger. So it started as a small thing before we knew it. they was about ready for blows. The contention with them was sharp and. It it started small, grew up in and blew up into something, and it also means not just that it's something sharp, it means it's something acidic. You know, like if you throw acid on something, like something's burning. It's corrosive. So this wasn't an easy kind of, they, they didn't just, uh, it wasn't a mile. I kind of see that differently. No, they was both feeling some kind of way. All right. Um, and this is all New Testament. Now let's look at, okay, so though we, we see it falling out over John Mark, we also see later that God brought, brought them back together in ministry. In Galatians, we'll see that the Apostle Paul and, and, and Barnabas are interacting with one another. But let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. This is Paul's, when he's getting ready to uh, pass off the scene. He said, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. For even though he checked out the other time, right now, He's useful to me for ministry. In other words, you have to obey God in the moment and leave the relationship repair in God's hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still got to do what God's telling you to do when everybody don't see it, even when it's sharp, even when they feel like it's provocative. You have to obey what God's telling you to do. But just trust that since destiny Um, difficulty and relationship difficulty is a part of destiny transition. God got it figured out and he going to work it out in Jesus name. Like I'm going to let him settle it all out, but I'm going to just obey God right now. Come on, let's stand.